Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everyone. Eric Erlinson here from lightninginsider.com. Welcome to the Lightning Insider podcast another victorious recap from game five on monday night tampa bay lightning once again putting themselves back into the eastern conference finals a three to two victory over the boston bruins in game five of the second round and they do advance to the eastern conference finals where they will await the winner of the series between the new york islanders and the philadelphia flyers with their game five scheduled for tuesday night Uh, The Islanders are currently leading that series three games to one, so they could also uh, advance to the conference finals with a victory over Philadelphia on Tuesday. But we're here to talk about what took place on Monday as the Tampa Bay Lightning, for the second time in three seasons, eliminate the Bruins in five games in a second-round series. And this was a game that just kind of showed you the will that this team has, and Kind of wrote about that a little bit more on my website, lightninginsider.com, and uh, you can read about more of it there. And by the way, if you are not a subscriber to my website, you can utilize the coupon code PODCAST. That's PODCAST at lightninginsider.com. If you sign up for a yearly subscription, I will give you $10 off your first year uh, if you use the promo code PODCAST. So again, that's lightninginsider.com. And a couple of things I want to touch on. I don't want to go too long on this one uh, tonight, um, but it was a another uh, close game. It's uh, it's amazing what this team has been able to do here in these most unusual playoffs in the Toronto bubble. Because while they have a record of eight and two through their first two series here. Uh, knocking off the Columbus Blue Jackets by a 4-1 to series victory, and then with the win tonight, knocking off the Bruins also in a 4-1 to series victory. Six of the eight wins that Tampa Bay has had have been one-goal games. Four of those have come in overtime, and then two of those have come in a multiple o- overtime situation. And it's just uh, sort of incredible as you sit back and, and look at this and you know, you never know how a playoffs are going to go for a team. You never know what a team is going to have to go through if they go on to capture a Stanley Cup title. You know, the year that the Montreal Canadiens won the Cup in 1993. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I, I didn't look this one up before I jumped here uh, to record this. But they won a number of games in overtime. I want to say it's 10. That That seems a lot. But that number stands out to my head. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize for not having that number 
uh, readily available because I didn't think I was going to bring it up. But sometimes you know where the stream of consciousness will take you. So you never know what a team is going to have to fight through to get to where they want to go. And, and here we are, just two rounds. I'm, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but through two rounds of this postseason, you know, you you hear the words resiliency and adversity and stuff gets thrown on, around a lot in these situations. And, you know, the one thing that I think we're seeing about this team this year is for all the talk about how they felt that they were a more mature team, how they brought in some different personalities to kind of come into this room and add to a roster that already had some really good experienced players that have been there uh, and done a lot and had a lot of postseason success. They have not reached the ultimate goal, of course, but they've had a lot of success in the postseason. I mean, you know, again, four four conference finals now since 2015. So that's four conference finals in, in, in six seasons, which is uh, quite a feat. And in fact, if I, I saw the 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 stat correctly uh, after the game that since the lightning came into the NHL so go all the way back to 1992-93 they have now reached six conference finals so 2004 2011 2015 2016 2018 and now 2020 in that time only two other teams have reached the conference finals more since the Lightning have been in the NHL, the Detroit Red Wings and the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's it. There's been some other teams that have also gone to six in that span. The Chicago Blackhawks are one of them. So, again, this, they've had success, but they've never had the ultimate success, at least not since that 2014, uh, 16 years ago, that won a title. Um, and here we are looking at a team that has just found maybe what their new identity is, especially we can never play the what if game. You know, what if Tampa Bay had started the, the, the playoffs a way that if everything was normal in normal times, how they would have reacted, you know, then all likelihood they were going to face the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Would they have been able to get by Toronto? It's a question we're never going to be able to answer. It's just, you can't answer that question. The Bruins were rolling at the time of the pause. If they'd have met in the second round in late April, would you have seen the same result here in late August? I mean, Tuka Rask left the Boston Bruins, and I'm sure a lot of Bruins fans will look at that and say, well, that's the reason that Tampa Bay won the series. I don't think it would have mattered, but you know, you start playing the what-if games. But here we are talking about uh, a team that has now reached um, – the final four. This is the final four for the fourth time in six years. Um, looking to finally sort of finish off the job that so many of these players started back in 2015. The Tyler Johnsons, Andre Palats, Alex Kalorns, Victor Hedman, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson, Stephen Stamkos. I know he's not currently playing for the team, but if you think about everything that they've had to kind of go through, you know, there's a, there's a mission feel to this team in a lot of ways. And, and I think that a, a, what, what we've seen here through the first 10 games of the 2020 playoffs uh, has shown just that, that they are a team with a different feel, a different attitude. Uh, look, all, and y'all got to do is go all the way back to game one 
of the Columbus series, that marathon five overtime game where they just, they stuck with it. They stuck with it. They stuck with it. They didn't pull themselves out of who they wanted to be. And they got rewarded for it. Go on to win that series in five. And then this series here too, you know, look, you lose game one against the Bruins. They looked awful tentative in the first game of the series, but you saw as the series went on, how Tampa Bay was starting to impose their will on the on the series. Their their depth took over. Their depth paid off in in spades in this series. You think about it, you lose Ryan McDonough for games two, three, and four, and you win them all. He returns tonight and had a, a huge part in this game. You think about the scoring that you're getting. I mean Andre Pilat, who had no goals through the first six games of the postseason ends up the series with five goals, open the scoring in three consecutive games by becoming or by scoring those uh, opening goals in three consecutive games. He becomes just the 13th player in NHL history to have the game opening goal in three or more consecutive games during the playoffs. Uh, The only player who's done it more, uh, you got to go all the way back to 1985, Michel Goulet, Goulet, Um, for the Quebec Nordique uh, is the only player who's done it in four consecutive games. So he'll have that opportunity to do so when the Lightning get to game one uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals. We don't know when that's going to be. There is some speculation by uh, guys like Elliot Friedman Friedman and Pierre Lebrun that the possibility is that the Lightning won't travel straight to Edmonton that they have to stay in Toronto. I'm not sure why they have to stay in Edmonton. There's they saying there's not room in the hotel in Edmonton. I, there's only four teams there. I mean, there were more than 14. There's, you know, each bubble had 12 teams in it to start. And I know Edmonton had three different hotels that they utilized. Uh, but that's the word that there's even the outside chance that the Eastern Conference Finals, let's say the Islanders do finish off the series on Tuesday that you could actually start the Eastern Conference Final in Toronto, then move the teams to Edmonton. I, I'm not. I can't imagine that's a scenario that anybody wants to see them go through. But uh, it's out there. Uh, it's from Elliot, um, so you have to assume that there's some validity behind it. But it just seems odd to me that they would do that. Anyway, let's get on to what we saw in the game because you know John Cooper met with the media on Monday morning, and the old cliche is the, the fourth win is the hardest to get. It is, right? Because the other team, their season's on the line. They're going to give you everything they got. And John Cooper said the Bruins, because of who they are, President's Trophy winner, a team that reached the Stanley Cup final a year ago. You know, they won a championship in 2011. They've been to the Stanley Cup final in 2013 with the core that they have that they weren't going to go away. And this is the this is the quote that he used. The Bruins are not going to go quietly into the night. You're going to have to make them go. And that was true because this is a game where the Bruins actually had a better run of the play for most of the game. Not all of the game, but for most of it. There was more push on the Bruins' side, and you certainly expect that because if, if, you, if you look at the numbers, um, you know, we like to do that here. The Lightning had a pretty good start. 19 to 15 shot advantage in the first period. Uh, but after that, the Bruins had a push. They had uh, quite a bit of push, actually, because in the second period, the shot attempts were 30 to 14 
in favor of Boston. Even though the Lightning opened the scoring with Andre Palat's goal on a tip from a Kevin Shattenkirk shot, um, you know you could you could see the the push that the Bruins had. So second period again, uh, even strength. It was twenty five thirteen in favor uh, of the Boston Bruins in terms of shot attempt and their advantage. So that's roughly sixty five percent of the shot possession. Uh, and in the period overall, it was 30 to 14. So it's almost 70% of the shot possession. And even in the third period, 26-21 with the shot attempts, uh, again, in favor of the Bruins. So the Bruins put their best foot forward. I, I guess the good news for Tampa Bay is that they kept Bergeron, Marchand, and Poster not quiet. And you knew, for the most part, if you could keep them quiet, you're going to have a chance to win the game. Now, Pasternak did have a power play goal that tied the game in the second period. But Patrice Bergeron uh, had the one assist. And Brad Marchand, as much of a thorn as he was in the early part of these the series, he had no shots on goal. He had five attempts, but none of them got on goal. And here's the other thing. Patrice Bergeron went 13 for 36 in the faceoff circle. You're not going to see too many nights like that from Patrice Bergeron. 36% he was in the faceoff circle. Um, so they kept them quiet, but, uh, the Bruins still found a way to tie the game. A little bit of a broken play, a broken stick left a net wide open. Look, if Cedric Paquette's stick doesn't break and I still don't know how it broke. I don't know if it hit the, the shaft, if the puck hit the shaft, if, uh, Krejci might've slashed it. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I never got a chance to see the actual, uh, replay to determine that. Uh, but the Bruins tied the game up late in the third period because Anthony Sorelli provided a go-ahead goal that came with 7.57 left in the third period. And by that point, it's just you have to close it out. Got to close it out. Bruins, again, you have to make them go. And they found a way to tie the game with 2.33 to go. That sent it to overtime. The Bruins actually had a really strong push at the beginning of the first overtime. Uh, but Andre Vasilevsky had a huge save on Par Lindholm. Uh, open rebound chance in the slot uh, that kept uh, the game tied. And then you could sort of see the Lightning kind of get their legs a little bit, get under them a little bit to the point where they started to have some zone time. And you could just see it on that game-winning goal. Victor Hedman just had that look in his eye, right? He was not going to be denied, similar to what he had in game one when they fell behind 3 nothing. He scored two goals in the third period uh, through just some fabulous play. That entire shift, it's a great job by Braden Point to get in deep, uh, to win a puck battle. He's used his speed to get there uh, ahead of the Bruins defender, uh, gain control of the puck, comes around, finds Victor Hedman um, coming off the bench. Uh, Hedman actually cuts down low to grab a, a block shot, a rebound, comes back around the, hot in the net. I mean, it was just a, a thing of beauty to watch. So that's how the Lightning ended up winning the game. Now, the there is a big concern or some concern over the status of Nikita Kucherov because the Lightning did lose Kucherov for most of this game. He took a high stick from Zdeno Chara in the first period right to the face. He left for the rest of the first period, came back out to start the second, but then midway through the second period, uh, he was gone again and did not come back. John Cooper, after the game, did not have any sort of an update. He said that there would be one. On Tuesday, uh, didn't seem overly concerned, and based on the hit, unless it's you know the uh, the concussion situation, then um, 
you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, so there is some concern already without Steven Stamkos. You missed Ryan McDonough for, you know, three games in this series. So a little concern with Victor Hedman. And um, before we get to your questions here, I wanted to touch on, too, the hit by Cedric Paquette on Charlie McAvoy. Obviously, this caused quite an uproar. Uh, certainly, I got my uh, fair share of comments from Bruins fans in my timeline on Twitter about the hit. Uh, one of them said they tried to end the career of Charlie McAvoy. And here's the thing with the hit, because the Nick Ritchie hit, in my mind, was 10 times worse. Because Nick Ritchie went out of his way to deliver a late hit. As we know, it didn't get suspended. But it was a late hit. The puck was already way gone. Uh, slammed Yanni Gordon to the boards. That's why it was a five-minute manger. Paquette's hit on McAvoy was not even a penalty. And here's why. Because Charlie McAvoy is the puck carrier. He still has the puck. The two players reach a point towards the corner boards. And McAvoy, and, and Paquette is right on top of him. McAvoy slams on the brakes tries to cut back the other way. As he does, his body turns. He lowers his body, trying to probably avoid contact. But in doing so, he put himself into a very vulnerable situation. And Paquette, who was already... Look, he, again, I've said it. These players are going 15, 16 miles per hour and stopping on a dime. Well, when you've got a guy in, in such close pursuit of you as Paquette was, he's already committed to a situation to where he's trying to ride you into the boards and separate you from the puck. Not in a violent way, but when he's already committed to that and McAvoy slams on the brakes and turns the other way, what is he supposed to do? He can't avoid that contact. And, and in fact, if you look up, or look at the replay, Paquette tried to jump up a little bit to avoid hitting McAvoy that hard. So it, it, it could have been a lot worse. And this, this is not a, uh, you know, some people will say this is, you're trying to defend Tom Wilson here. It's not. There was nothing that Paquette could do to avoid that kind of contact. It wasn't a dirty hit by any way, shape, or form. It was a hard hit. It was an unfortunate hit, but Cedric Paquette was not looking to bury McAvoy into the boards that way. That's why it wasn't a penalty, and I think they got it right. Some people, in fact, a lot of people disagree with me, but I saw a fair share. I guess Brian Burke, not that he's you know, the end-all, be-all authority on these type of judgments, but he said that McAvoy has to stay straight up. He has to take the hit into the boards and not turn his back on the play like he did. So there's a former NHL general manager, Steve Coolius, who's the host of um, Power Play on Sirius XM NHL Radio, also said the right call was made, no penalty. Um, and that's my, that's my view of it too. So a lot of controversy around that game, especially coming off the Nick Ritchie uh, situation. But um, all right, last thing I want to touch on. We talked about Andre Pilat for obvious reasons in the last one. He had a monster game tonight. It, it kind of went... Uh, unnoticed in some capacities because of Victor Hedman's uh, game-winning goal. I thought Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic tonight. He ends up with 45 saves. He's not getting enough attention, and he he's probably okay with that. Uh, but again, 45 saves. He's played essentially two and a half extra games. So 10 playoff games. It's actually amounted to about 
12 and a half playoff games that he has played. He's played every minute that the team has been in Toronto. Curtis McElhinney has not seen any. Uh, so I don't think that's getting a ton of attention. But again, he was fantastic. I referenced the save he made on, on Par Limholm uh, in the first overtime or in the second overtime? First overtime that he made. It was just a fantastic save uh, coming out to challenge a shot from the slot. Uh, but Andre Pilat, again, again, scoring the opening goal. Um, he had 10 shots on goal tonight. He had 15 shot attempts tonight. Uh, just another monster performance. He's really come to life um, here in this series after having, he had some impact for sure in that first series against Columbus, but he didn't find the back of the net. He ends up this series with five goals, which is the second most in a playoff series against one team in Lightning franchise history. The record is six. Um, Ruslan Fedotenko did that in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2004 against the Philadelphia Flyers. Tyler Johnson did it in the first round against Detroit. He had six goals. And then Nikita Kucherov in 2015, that same year in the second round against Montreal, also had six. So uh, five goals in a series is uh, the second most by a Lightning player in franchise history. And a couple of other players to kind of point out here. Barclay Goodrow. A lot of criticism, obviously, for the price that Julian Breezeball paid to pick up Barclay Goodrow from the San Jose Sharks. How about this performance tonight? 28 minutes of ice time. Five shot attempts on goal. His line was effective. Uh, seven hits. And how about this one? 20 for 29 in the faceoff circle. That's 69%. 20 of 29 in the faceoff circle. That is a stat I didn't think I would be passing along to you because he hasn't taken a ton of faceoffs since he came to the Lightning. You know, he's been on a fourth line where maybe Paquette was taking them or, you know, he was uh, on a line with Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord's been taking a bunch of them. Uh, but tonight, and he went 17. This is incredible. 17 for 22 head-to-head against Patrice Bergeron tonight. 77% against Patrice Bergeron. That is not easy to do. Bergeron is one of the best in the game at faceoffs, and he went. 17 of 22 against Patrice Bergeron, including 7 for 9 in the defensive zone. 7 for 9. Not many nights that Patrice Bergeron is going to have that type of a, of, a, of a stat sheet in an NHL game where he takes as many as he did. And he took 36 faceoffs, and he only won 36% of them. Braden Point was also good in the faceoff dot, 13 for 20. Tyler Johnson was 10 of 13. So, you know, the Lightning end up finishing 60% in the faceoff dot um, in this clinching game. So, uh, so those are a couple of things to kind of pass along, some uh, interesting stats that kind of jump out at me uh, from this game. All right, let's get to the questions before we wrap things up. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. And remember, you can always find me on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskEE and find me there. Make sure you hit the hashtag. Don't just respond to it. Make sure you hit the hashtag uh, so I will be able to find them. Um, from Mike Musetta, uh, he's got a couple in here. This was after the Sergachev fell clear on the tying goal, the power play goal that the Lightning or the Bruins had scored in the second period. He had a chance to clear it. 
He had time to get the puck from his backhand to his forehand, chose to try and flip it out with his backhand, ends up staying in the zone and ends up costing them. So um, his question is, it seems at times Sergachev regresses in his thinking. Just a comment. Look, you, you forget how young he is. This is He's not even in his third full year in the NHL. Like, yeah, players are going to make mistakes, and you learn from mistakes, and he, they got burned by it. Uh, he'll learn from it. He's, he is an extremely smart, intelligent player. He will get better from it. So, uh, fortunately, it didn't cost them more than just that power play goal. Um, from Bob, well, the 11-7 and worked out, but as you called it and get into trouble with an injury, game change with Kucherov out, obviously, did it appear Tyler Johnson was injured also, just didn't look himself. Thoughts. Uh, Tyler Johnson has not looked himself through a good portion of these playoffs. I look. I, I I don't know if anybody's playing hurt. We're not there to see anything. There's no independent media inside these bubble situations, so we have no idea uh, whether or not somebody's actually injured or playing injured or banked up. We don't get to see any of that, and, and in some cases, we don't even get to know if somebody's actually banged up. Right, we left saw Ryan McDonough leave after Game One. We didn't know until uh, the morning of Game Two that he wasn't going to play. So we don't get to see any of that. So, um, yeah, I, I, he just he needs to be better. Uh, I think he knows that. I think he realizes that and understands it. Uh, but I, whether there's an injury, I I don't know. Uh, also, from Michael Musetta, kudos to Barkley Goodrow on winning faceoffs. Also, point especially on Sorelli's goal. Yep. Faceoffs, uh, they can lead to especially the ones in the defensive zone or the offensive zone, not as much as the neutral zone, but when you can bear down on those ones on either side of the ice, then they're big plays. They can be big plays. Uh, from Chris Wright, did we ever see what happened to Paquette's stick on the tying goal? Never saw an angle for it. Never saw it um, definitively anyway to get a good look at it. Uh, I kind of looked around for it and then gave up. Uh, a little bit later, but I never saw anything, so I don't know if it was a puck that broke, if Paquette just snapped it, if Krejci gave it a whack. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, from Jim Booth, what is the plan if Paquette gets suspended? He's not getting suspended. Um, he's not getting suspended. It's not a suspendable play. So, uh, But if if, he, if something did happen, they've got a Verhage. It would probably be Mitchell Stevens as he's a center. That would be their case. But again, I don't expect any supplemental discipline at all. If Nick Ritchie didn't get a penalty, I can't see, uh, or a suspension, I, I can't see Paquette getting anything. But we never know with these things, right? Uh, from Steve G, question one, how can I sleep? Uh, I totally understand it. Uh, very exciting game. Probably kept you on the edge of your seat for a while. Probably took a lot of people a while to get to sleep uh, on Monday night. Fabio checking in from Italy. Thanks, Fabio, as always. Uh, maybe it's an exaggeration, but Point loves to start to build his place in the neutral zone. He wants to dominate both the neutral and the opponent's third. In my opinion, to look sometimes like McDavid. Do you think I am right? There's no, I, like, I'm never going to compare anybody to Connor McDavid because he does things at uh, such a high rate of speed that I don't think anybody can replicate what Connor McDavid does. But there's no doubt, and this is what we've seen from Braden Point in these playoffs with the healthy hips, right? I've used the hashtag a couple times, hips don't lie, because he, he looks healthy, he looks fast, he looks confident. And yeah, there's he likes to have the puck. If it's not necessarily the neutral zone, he likes to start that play just inside his own blue, blue line if he has some open ice, right? And then he can kind of get that speed going and really pushes the defense off, really backs them off. And that can open up so many things. 
whether he wants to be able to carry the puck, whether he wants to work a give-and-go, uh, let others join the attack with him. It, it opens up so many opportunities, so many options for him when he's able to new, uh, utilize that speed and get through the middle of the ice and, and really uh, push defenders back. It's really something to see. Uh, from our friend ARNDTJC, uh, complete team effort to flip the script and win the last four games, but is there a certain key you can pick out as to why Tampa was able to hold Boston to one five-on-five goal in the final 220-ish minutes of the series? Held up great structure through the neutral zone, in my opinion. Um, well, it starts with the goaltender. You know, we mentioned, I think, Vasilevsky's been kind of overlooked. His save percentage in this playoffs is somewhere around 930, and I'm sure it shot up a little bit tonight with the performance he had. So it starts there. But if you look at the way the Lightning protect the middle areas of their ice now, and this is you mentioned, talked about early in the series about how Brad Marchand tend to be open on that back post. Well, some of that is because how much Tampa Bay wants to protect the middle areas of the ice in their own zone. It's not quite Columbus-like. It's not quite New York Islanders-like. You know, they don't, they don't pack it in, but they do a much better job of defending those areas of the ice and don't give up such high danger chances. That's what they did. So, you know, you, you, you don't allow some of the crossing passes. You don't allow some plays into the middle areas of the ice. That's what caught Tampa Bay several times last year was those areas. And that's a big part of what they've been able to do here in these playoffs. Just, just watch how they protect that middle area of the ice. Even when there, there seems to be open ice there, there's usually a center there. Or the, you know, your, your, that's the center position sort of has that uh, area of the ice to protect, especially if the D goes low. That's where they. That's where they have defended so much better is around that. And the other thing is, is that their depth is so much better than the Bruins. They're outside of that top line, and you could argue that the Point Palat Kucherov line was just as effective, if not more so, and just as dangerous than the Bergeron line. After that, the Lightning had the advantage in every other area. Every other line, the Lightning had the advantage. It might not show up statistically necessarily but they, they are just a deeper team and they were not allowing the Bruins to do them damage. Most of the Bruins damage in, in this series came on the power play from the tying goal of, to game two until the tying goal tonight by David Krejci. They hadn't scored an even strength goal. That's all you need to know. Uh, from Tiki seven, one, four, seven, four alley. Uh, why play Shen over Coburn? Uh, pretty simple. Luke Shen's a right-handed shot. Braden Coburn's lefty. That To me, that's as simple as it gets. There's not a whole lot of ice time on the left side. I know Coburn can play the right, but they like their righties-lefties. When you've got McDonough and Hedman and Sergachev on the left-hand side, less ice time over there. So you, you put in Luke Shen. That's the guy you dress as your seventh because he is on the right side. Uh, again, from Michael Musetta, why do you think the Lightning was so good in this game and dominating the face-off circle? They usually have trouble. They do. They do. Again, I... Goodrow came out of nowhere. I, I didn't. I've not seen him take too many faceoffs um, in this series. To be honest with you, uh, I haven't noticed it. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's been Gord has taken most of them because he's he's been good. Sometimes guys just get hot in um, in a game, and I think that's the case with Goodrow. But if you if you look at it. Heading into today, and again, we talked, he took 29 face-offs in Game 5 here tonight. He doesn't even qualify in terms of having taken enough um, 
enough faceoffs. So you, you pull up the lightning faceoff leaders. The only ones who come up are Point, Gord, and Sorelli. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea. He wasn't taking most of them because it says the skater must have taken at least 15% of his team's total faceoffs to qualify. But he hasn't. 29 tonight. So again, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it was a surprise. So, you know, sometimes you kind of strike while the iron's hot, and Goudreau certainly did it tonight. Um, and that's an area that they've had to concentrate on. So um, from Manders Mark, uh, I'm sure you'll address this at length, but I'll ask anyway, how difficult or how hard is it to play with 10 forwards, and how do the Lightning do, in your opinion? It's not easy, especially when one of them is Nikita Kucherov. We saw them put Anthony Sorelli quite a bit on the line with Point and Pallant. Uh, we saw Cedric Paquette kind of bump up and take some shifts up there. It's harder. It's harder. When you have 11, it's a little bit easier because you still have that pairing, that forward pairing. When you get down to 10, it's three lines and one extra guy. So it's not easy. I asked John Cooper about that post game, and he said it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge because you have to type, uh, you have to kind of keep in mind the player's energy as well, especially as you kind of get deep into overtime. And I thought the Lightning did a really good job. They looked a little tired. I think John Cooper used the word tongues were dragging in the first overtime, uh, but they found a way to push through it. Uh, now they will get some deserved rest uh, for at least a couple of days at the minimum. Uh, what type of clever hockey did we play today? Uh, tongue in cheek for sure on that one uh, from Use Your Blinker. Must be a driving reference, I'm sure. Uh, from Lee Ensinoza, looks likely the Islanders will be the next matchup. The Bolts beat two very good defensive teams in the first two rounds. How much will that help them going into the Eastern Conference Finals? This will be the toughest test yet. Yeah, assuming it is the Islanders, uh, again, tough not to crack. They're, they're, to me, they're Columbus with speed. They're Columbus with skill. Because they pack it in their own end, they frustrate you, they force you to be impatient, and their patience will definitely be tested if that's what it gets to with the Islanders. Because then the few times you do find ways to get inside the Islanders' defense, Semyon Varlamov has been very good in these playoffs, and even Thomas Grice was in Game 4 for the Islanders uh, on Sunday. Um... Michael Musetta chimes in too. Chief had an interesting stat. Only six Bruins had goals. Lightning had 14. Uh, I think that's what he said. Yeah, uh, probably six even strength goals. Uh, that's a difference. Yeah, it's even strength goals. 14 for the Lightning, six. It's the difference in the game. And, and I knew even going into the series that the Lightning could make the Bruins play a five-on-five five and not get them power play because they scored a power play goal in all five games in the series. The longer that this was kept five on five, the better off that was going to be for Tampa. Uh, from Doug, who's uh, safe for blood on Twitter, what do you make uh, the play of the guys that game uh, came in at the deadline? Uh, look, I just talked about Goodrow. I just talked about um, – uh, well, we have well, we talked about Goodrow and the impact he's made. Blake Coleman again on the forecheck. He's hard on the puck. He's, he's exactly what the Lightning wanted. That's a player who's hard to play against, and he's been that way. Uh, I think Bogosian has been um, fantastic. You know, I, I don't know what the expectations were for anybody when it came to Bogosian, but he has stepped in and he's really solidified that right-hand shot role alongside Victor Hedman. I mean, just go back to game two, that fantastic goal he set up for Blake Coleman, the, the Superman goal, if you will. Uh, I, I thought all of them have made impacts in this series. Uh, in this playoffs, for sure, uh, talked about the quote-unquote nat line 
against Columbus and the effectiveness that they've had. Uh, I think those three have been really, really good as a line with Gore Coleman and Goodrow. And then Bogosian has just been rock solid in so many ways, hasn't made too many mistakes, hasn't been caught out of position because that's what the kind of the MO was when he came from Buffalo and talking to some of the uh, media up there that covered him. So uh, again, fantastic additions Uh, from Evgeny Lightning fan who's one bolt nation. Uh, My bedtime is 2 a.m. So I'm always up for the podcast. My question is, do you think the team kept Kucherov out as a precaution since they have a healthy three, one lead? I'm not sure how serious the injury is, but I can't imagine a stick to the face to be anything long-term. Again, there could have been some dental work. I don't know. I don't know if there if there's teeth involved. We didn't see any blood, right? Like we didn't see any blood on some of the close up shots of Kucherov on the bench when he did come back. But um, so, but it could be. I hate to use the word. It could be concussion related. If it's a hard enough hit, it could be. It could end up being that because of the area in which he is hit down the jaw. You get hit with that sort of force down there. Sometimes it can do that. I don't think it's serious. Serious. And I don't think it's uh, precautionary because if it was, he wouldn't come out for the second. And then that makes me wonder if it was concussion, how did he pass the protocol after the first period? Um, from AJ, what's wrong with Tyler Johnson? He's either invisible 95% of the time or making bad plays. Uh, yeah, we talked about him a little bit earlier uh, from Ryan Wells. Seems the 11-7 and seven is working for the Lightning. Would you keep using this moving into the next series or go back to 12-6? and six? I guess it depends on the health. It depends on the matchup situation. Uh, I still am a believer that this team, when fully healthy, and they're not because Steven Stamkos hasn't played, when they're fully healthy, they're better suited 12-6. and six. But if you're unsure about who's going to be your 12th forward, is it Carter Verhage? Is it Mitchell Stevens? I don't think you're dipping into an Alex Volkov or Matthew Joseph, so we'll just kind of leave them out of the equation for now. Um, if, if you don't feel comfortable with them, then you can go 12 and seven, but again, or 12, uh, 11 and seven, as we found out tonight, if you lose a forward, it, it changes the game. It's a big loss. If you lose a forward, and you can get burned by it. Didn't cost them tonight, but it's a possibility. I, I expect them to start with, if, if not, everybody's healthy. If they're still banged up, assuming Steven Stamkos is not going to play, um, then we will. Uh, make determinations from there, but I still think they're better 12 and six fully healthy with all their with, because their forward depth is a uh, strength of theirs. Uh, last one tongue in cheek from Joe. How long do you think it will take NBC to get over this loss? <laughs> uh, look, sometimes you hear what you want to hear. Uh, there's no doubt that Boston is an original 16. They're a big market team. Uh, traditionally, they might draw bigger ratings, quote unquote, um, but sometimes you hear what you want to hear. Uh, I, I saw comments coming from a, a Bruins um, message board or something. They too were complaining that the, the NBC cat and, uh, crew was gushing too much over the lightning. So again, it, sometimes you do hear what you do want to hear. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. Uh, the next one will be up within a couple of days. It depends on the schedule. We won't get the schedule uh, for maybe a couple of days. Look, it could be Thursday. It could be Saturday, depending on what goes on with the Islanders and Flyer Series. Again, uh, they're, uh, they play their game five on Tuesday with the Islanders up 3-1. Colorado forced a game six with their victory 
tonight against the Dallas Stars. And then we'll see what goes on to with the Vegas-Vancouver series, if that can be extended out as well. So again, just like happened last time, it could come at you fast. It could be a couple of days, but we'll keep you updated. Uh, Again, find us on Spotify, find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Hit the review button, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share with your friends, let them know they're there. Uh, Thanks again for all the support. We'll be back with another podcast to preview the Eastern Conference Finals sometime later this week. Thanks, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.